bisexual braid licker. Oh, ho, ho, ho. nice one. Okay, so they just probably shoved the cucumber up the asshole, and that's fine, whatever. Of all the petty mongoose posting. But I don't want to be swallowed. What happened to consent? The National Guard! Sanction me harder, daddy! Hello, everybody. Hey, it's Little Wars. Again, after about a month, I'm your host, Mongoose Kikimura, and with me here today is uh, our uh, much uh, beloved and wonderful audio guy, John. John, how are you doing? I have successfully taken care of Jack and supplanted him at Mongoose's side. The takeover's nearly complete. Okay. Um, <laughs> and with us today, we have a, a special guest, um, Stug Life. Uh, who you may or may not have seen around, I believe, the Twitter sphere. Although I'm not really on the Twitter sphere much anymore. Um, along with uh, Stug, you do anything else other than this? Uh, every once in a while, I, uh, I'm I'm capable and able to do an episode of uh, of the Godcast with um, with Miles and Super Lutheran, but my schedule normally has not permitted it. So it's it's just been how it has been. Oh. That's a good point. This is the uh, third Godcast member that we've managed to have on this show. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll collect them all eventually. Uh, yeah, we've had we've actually had some uh, some interesting people on here uh, over the over the maybe the I think we're call closing in on two years here in a couple months. So, well, actually, in this summer will be two years, even though it really hasn't been. <laughs> <laughs> thirty-five, I believe this is episode thirty-five. Yeah, we we really haven't done. Uh, uh, we haven't <laughs> been able to keep it up with um, my schedule and everything, so. Oh well. Hopefully, we'd have a we'd have a more know. regular and better audience if we had a more regular podcast. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it'll pick up eventually. So, just going right into things, John, uh, Stug, did you guys do anything interesting uh, traditional gaming wise this week? Um. I've I've not done anything with uh, traditional gaming really, but I a few weeks back there was a uh, a uh, model convention that I went out of town for, which uh, it was not Coomer models. This was uh, like model tanks and aircraft and stuff like that. So really nerdy stuff, but they're all scale. And uh, I picked myself up a uh, a Stug Slee of C slash D and uh, I've been working on that. I've got all the road wheels finally done and sanded up. It's one thirty-fifth scale from uh from Bronco, so pretty cool little kit. Yeah, that's that sounds pretty fun. Um John, did you do anything? Yeah, yeah, we uh did Jack's uh Jack's role playing game uh yesterday, uh, God rest his soul. He apparently game mastered so hard that he died. It's a bummer. But uh yeah. <laughs> Amazing yeah. Grace on the bagpipes plays aggressively. <laughs> We've already done that bit. <laughs> uh, it's a good bit. What do you? Don't... <laughs> yeah, no. Um, we had a very interesting session last night. Uh, another uh, like intense in-character argument about what to do. Two options going forward, trying to figure out what was the best one. Uh, once again, my character was uh one of the uh, the sole dissenters who disagreed with the rest of them. 
Uh, I still think that uh, they were all wrong, though, because they were all on the option of safe and boring, which makes for a terrible story. But Jack's not here, so he can't... And, and the game's still ongoing, so he's not going to be able to confirm or deny whether or not uh, you know, the, the correct decision was made. That's going to be one of those, you know, in retrospect... So, would it have, how would things have gone if we'd done this instead? Which I know Jack is fond of, but, you know, since we're still playing, he's not going to give away anyway, so it's probably fine that he's dead. Or, not here. When you say safe but boring, but do, mm. you, do you mean, like, you guys put a whole bunch of extra planning into it and didn't jump straight in, or...? No. No, not at all. We had two options of two different people that we could work with who were fundamentally opposed to each other and their goals. One of them was a dangerous route that would see us being a part of a greater meta-political galactic-scale conflict-type uh, event. And the other was sit by and watch and do nothing and make significantly less money and not put our, uh, not put our necks on the, uh, on the chopping block at all. And the rest of the team opted for the boring, narratively uninteresting uh, second option. Hmm. Yeah. I, I tend to I tend to play paranoid characters, so I might would have gone with the second option, but I would have been trying to manipulate us into the the first option as well at the same time. Yeah, yeah, I, I get that. Like, I don't mind uh, uh, party uh, conflict. In fact, this scene last night reminded me a lot of. Uh, in fact, I mentioned that during the game last night. It reminded me of that scene in your game, Mongoose, when we were uh, in the uh, city and the city was under attack. Oh yeah, we a, yeah, we had that big uh, argument. Uh, in the middle of the streets about what to do. And I was playing a character at the time. Uh, this was a female character who was very emotionally invested in her commanding officer and wanted to return to go get him and was willing to break commands to do so. And they got into like a, a shouting argument basically in the middle of the street. And I was playing a character who was not thinking rationally or making wise decisions, but I was still playing that role very convincingly. But at the same time, I was doing exactly what you mentioned, Stug, where I was trying to make sure that the rest of the party did not agree with my character because out of character I knew it was a bad idea to do what my character was advocating. Still made for a great intense scene, and I'm glad that we the things went the way they did because that was made for a better story overall. But having that interparty disagreement can still be really good character roleplay. It can be, you know, it can be good to have those kind of disagreements and those the the chance to to get in character and explore, unless the uh, like the people who are arguing are not doing so from an in-character motivation perspective, but doing so from a metagame, I'm afraid of losing my character, so I'd rather like not take risks, even though we're playing a bunch of criminals who their entire lives have made a profit taking risks and doing these kinds of like harebrained jobs. Suddenly I'm not going to do it because, well, we might go up against enemies that are uh, at a higher challenge rating and that might kill us. Yeah, I try not to make the decisions based off of game mechanics. Like, if it's if somebody would be more visibly, you know, or or de or described in such a way that they were more intimidating, etc. You know, whatever the situation is, I might do it that way. But if I know stats, I try to ignore those as best I can. It it makes for a better game experience for everybody involved. I had yeah. a uh, I had a bit of that with my game last night. Um. I had given the players just... I chose two monsters randomly to throw them up against in Ryutama, and I chose two uh, glass cannons, so they were they were getting roughed up really bad. Nearly had a party wipe where, my, um, where a few of my players not as clever as they actually happened to be. Um, but one of the issues that uh, kind of arose is that 
some of my players just didn't know that one of the ways you can actually get through combat a lot easier is if everybody just focuses damage on one thing and one thing only to kill everything incrementally. Because Wait, what? So they're just they're just like spreading their attacks out between the two targets instead of bringing one down first? Yes. What? That's not I mean that's that's not even like system specific. That's like in general that's a good idea. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> uh, but speaking of the risky option or, or taking risks or, or even being willing to lose your characters, most of my players really enjoyed the intense, very almost deadly combat. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's one thing that I still regret uh, from the game that I ran for you, Stug, and uh, and a few other folks, uh, is that the, the finale that we were building up to, which was delayed and then delayed and then delayed again because of attendance issues and pacing and all kinds of stuff until I just basically lost motivation. But, uh, I mean, they, they, that was my biggest, uh, biggest annoyance was that that finale that I had was going to be the most dangerous and difficult combat that you guys were going to face. And if we hadn't had those pacing issues, it would I think it would have, you know, helped to to inspire that exact sort of investment in the characters' well being, seeing them get roughed up and like facing the actual meat grinder of war like that. But yeah. Lessons yeah, for next time. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a delicate balance though, too, because you want the characters to be super invest or the players to be super invested in the characters, and you want them to not want to lose the characters, but you need them to care mm -hmm. enough about it that they're willing to make the quote sacrifice at the same time. Yeah, it's it's a you know you you can do it, you just have to know how to do it, and um, mm -hmm. it, it it's also dependent sometimes on the game and the setting, so. Yeah. I think it really more so comes down to the individual player. Yeah, but I think what he's saying is that p players have a range of responses to these types of si of situations or contexts for uh, social dynamics like this, and you can help to inspire them to meet you halfway based on the stimuli you give them. Uh, yeah, that is that is true. Um, I mean, you can always work with them, but the uh, the sort of balance in uh, how much they like their or value their character really is a uh it's really something that comes i think with role-playing experience not necessarily uh something a gm can necessarily instill in a player some players are just not i think one of the one of the final sort of uh steps you take is out of a rookie player to a more seasoned one is being willing to lose characters for story reasons and it's it's a recognition of the sort of fundamental nature of the hobby as a storytelling medium rather than Simply like a, uh, you know, uh, MMO where you a, just a make game, a character. A puzzle. Yeah, 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 exactly. No, yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if that's so much the level of experience so much as the nature of the first experience upon getting into the hobby. Because I got into the hobby as a storytelling medium right off the bat and was okay with losing characters if it meant for a good story. As opposed to a lot of people get in through Dungeons and Dragons, which presents it as a combat puzzle, and you have to win against the game master, who is the enemy team. Well, my good and friend if... Lich, I hate to cut you off. He he is a D and D addict, as you are aware, and he was actually the first person to go. Yeah, I'm fine with my character dying. <laughs> sure, but you've told me in the past that he was very much 
I mean, to the point of derailing the fun of the game, attempting to avoid the potential for losing a character. And you've told me in the past, he was very upset about the notion of getting ambushed by something because it meant that he would not have a numerical advantage, which the implication there is that would help him keep his character alive. So I've, actually, his, I, I've actually uh, worked it out with him a lot lately well i know that's what i was trying to say when you interrupted me again <laughs> is uh the for him because he got into it through the adversarial dungeons and dragons type relationship it did require going from you know rookie to veteran before he could develop that greater sense of meta narrative importance I, I think the system and setting play a huge part of it as well because certain set uh systems and settings are going to promote more of a uh, individualistic outlook and willingness to try to keep your character alive at other players' expenses. Hmm. D&D should be one of those ones where it's more about the group rather than about the individual character uh, surviving the encounter. If the group survives but one character dies... You know, that's it, it you know, it might suck for that player right then, or you know, like let's say the character disappears for a few sessions or something. It might mm -hmm. suck, but it's it it creates a different environment. Um one of the w ones that got me really good like that was um we're playing a longer game of actually D and D and my character ended up uh like charging at this demon who had made a bunch of bad deals or whatever with the other characters he showed up in the middle of like a combat that we were in and i knew that it was a suicide run but i was invested in doing so mm. uh, like in character so i did it and i we never saw that character again but it was in care you know it all made sense in character but i took a huge chunk out of that out of that demon before you know i got sucked into the pit or whatever with it um, <laughs> the rape zone <laughs> yeah but it, it's just it's one of those things but that also drove the you know that demon and the rest of the encounter out which allowed the rest mm -hmm. of the characters to survive so it's one of those things that you know it goes into the seasoned character as well you know the seasoned uh, player as well but yeah because it sounds like you may at that moment you made the non-strategic but narratively correct decision and yes. it takes a when you're working in a system that is all about rewarding the individually strategically correct decisions, it takes a level of maturity to be able to look around and stick your head up above that level of mechanical interaction and see the longer term uh, story and character arcs that are present and see that it's the right decision, even though mechanically you're making a bad decision. Which is something that we can go into with one of our first topics actually uh, today. Oh, look at this. The guest is showing us how to do the segues. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I wasn't, I was, I was just no, trying I'm to kidding, you know, do kidding. the bit for you, I guess, but. That's, that's fine. No, no, that's less you. work for me. I, I'm all for it. It's cool. <laughs> the more you host, the less I have to. <laughs> uh, yeah. Welcome to Little Wars. The more you host, the less I have to. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, all right. And so before uh, we so get a, a shitty article about having uh, about like reviving infiltrators or something like that, I, I don't even know what you guys are referencing right now. Am I? Is that don't, bad? Don't or worry good? about it. No, it's a, it's, it's a it's Mass Effect. Good. It's it's Mass Effect. Don't worry about it. Okay. Uh, no, we. The, one of the reasons that I invited uh, Stug to come on here was that uh, Mongoose has been super busy and he couldn't make it to recording. And then I made it to recording. Yeah, then you showed up to record, and Jack, and Jack didn't. So, uh, no, but the other reason was that uh, Stug has a lot of experience with White Wolf games, which uh, I have 
only ever played a single one of, and it was an Exalted game a long while ago. Uh, but, uh, no, Stug has played a lot of the White Wolf games, which include things like Vampire the Masquerade, Mage the Ascension, uh, Noun the Verbing, uh, or Gerunding, if you want, if you prefer. And, uh, so he's played a lot of those Dungeons, games. Dungeons the Dragoning. Uh, I think that's actually the TG game, isn't it? The combination Dungeons the Dragoning 40k? I, I don't, I don't know. I'm, quite frankly, yeah, they, I'm... TG made a, uh, TG made, like, an abomination hybrid game called Dungeons the Dragoning 40k. That, that sounds... sounds either amazing or terrible. It, I'm it's gonna, cringe. I'm, yeah, I'm gonna be it's... real. It sounds really trash. It's Oh, it does. Yeah, it sounds yeah. super trash. But it's, a, but but it, it's it also sounds a like it'd be kind of fun to read just to laugh at. Right, it's also, it's a self-aware enough parody, but it's still like, yeah, that's a good parody. Never want to play it, but you did a yeah. good job, I guess. <laughs> so, but no, uh, so yeah, Stug, uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit of uh, your involvement with White Wolf games? All right, well, I've the first time I ever played one was actually uh, a Werewolf the Apocalypse game in like 2007. And uh, to, to give a bit of backstory on Werewolf the Apocalypse, it's uh, it's the apocalypse is coming and you're playing a werewolf. It's not, it's not very complicated, actually. <laughs> there's, there, there's two major factions. There used to be three. Um, but one, uh, but one of them's gone now, basically. So, you have uh, the the worm, the weaver, and and Gaia, and uh, yeah, they're they're all fighting, and the worm is the bad guy, and the worm is going to till the soil of the world or whatever, and bring on the apocalypse. It's all of that is basically completely irrelevant. Is this like the biblical apocalypse, or what kind of apocalypse are we talking? Um, so the the way it, so every single white wolf game uh from that period which was called uh they called it just world of darkness um after they came out with what what was colloquially referred to as new world of darkness um it was referred to as old world of darkness but in those games um every single faction has their own apocalyptic world ending events that are going to occur every one of them builds up to it they they had to end the world otherwise it was just going to blue ball all the players forever um but uh so for for werewolf specifically what it is is there is gaia which is the earth the um kind of it's like the earth spirit um then there's the worm, which is the which is the destroyer spirit, and then you have the weaver, which is like a think of a like a giant mega AI computer that builds tiny nano computers that are shaped like spiders, and all that does is create. And the worm destroys, and Gaia is supposed to try to do the balance bit. Um, okay, so if this was a based game, then what we'd be talking is like, you know, an, an Earth elemental giantess. Uh, an enormous Lamia, and then like some kind of digital Arachne, with like tiny little Arachne. I, I guess that that's that's uh, that's your y- y'all's expertise, not mine. <laughs> yeah, uh, probably, yeah, no. probably, honestly, <laughs> that the that's a that's a reasonable assumption. Yeah, that. Okay. I mean that this this what it would be if it was a based game, but it, unfortunately, it is uh, not. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there, there, there was a based aspect initially because all of the tribes and clans for for werewolf and vampire were uh, geographically and racially linked. So the Nosferatu were from uh, like 
I think Carpathia or something specifically. Ah, and then the ah, Zim- ah, yeah. ah, ah, ah. I was about to say it is which, I. which tribe yes. <laughs> and uh the, 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 the like the you know the Zimishi are from like Wallachia and stuff like that. Ah. It's, it, uh, yeah, all of them all of them are, are racially and geographically linked, which okay. got them into trouble later when they started putting out like Kui Jin, which was uh the the demon vampires from the far east or whatever and they ended up Mm. putting a shitload of racial stereotypes about the japanese the chinese and like dot heads in it but but aren't like vampires like a racial stereotype of romanians like yes and the whole thing yeah that's that's why it's ironic almost nobody cared when they were making racial stereotypes generally about europeans all the way you know until they got until they made the the mafia and uh gypsy books but that's a that's another part of it <laughs> now stug were these asian vampires they set up like the the gotcha machines and like plinko parlors and all that shit no they're they're really bizarre they're they're actually kind of interesting cuz i've not seen anything like it before presented cuz the the vampires for vampire the masquerade are your basic you know, vampires basically. You know, they're normal yeah. vampires. They, Twilight. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. But you know, they all do their own different things a little bit. But these mm. are these are souls that were sucked into hell and then pushed back out into human bodies. So they have crazy abilities, and they have to like they have to eat people and like you know drain them of their life essence to increase their like yin and yang and crazy stuff like that and they can do all kind they they can they can burn your blood from the inside and boil you and just Is this it, the uh, is this the Jiangxi the hopping vampires from China? They they have those and then they have uh they have ones from uh from India others from Japan oh etc. <laughs> I don't even want to imagine what an Indian vampire looks like. Much less the smell but anyways. <laughs> Are we sure that the Nosferatu aren't just like uh, untouchable vampires that live in like the New Delhi sewers or something? We're sure. I don't know. From, if, I don't know if uh, you'd be able to find mountains? a Nosferatu down there. It might be too filthy. Mm. <laughs> Actually, no. Wait. What, what are you? What are we talking about? Sewers and and new, oh, all right. Let's not do this. Yeah. No. No. Let's not. All right. Yeah. I, I, my mistake for implying that there are sewers in New Delhi. Yeah. <laughs> but um. But but anyways. Uh. The the. Yeah, there's uh, different. They're all tribal. They're all from specific locations, and uh, that it wasn't like based, but it provided specific, you know, specific goals. Um, it gave you an idea of what your characters would look like in general. So you could play, you know, like the the Wendigos from uh, from from Werewolf were a uh, were actually. A, uh, a Native American tribe. There were three of them, or whatever, that that survived. Then there was, um, and then like the the Silver Fangs are uh, are like Russian, and then the Gita Fenris are the are the problematic werewolves because they um that they, they are from uh, they're they're from Germany and Scandinavia. So in the in the lore for the game in the meta plot because it has this expansive meta plot that's good and bad it it makes the game harder to run because you have some people who have read the whole thing and they're gonna all try to they're gonna try to argue and correct you while you're trying to run your game it's like no like fuck off like let me run my game <laughs> um, but the the Gita Fenris were the 
hold themselves to have been what uh, what was being described by Hitler and the Fuel Society as the Ubermensch, and it it just goes wild from there. But it, the, oh yeah, the, yeah, I've heard of this. This is like the uh, the Nazi furs. Yeah, it, it's it's just yeah. I'm, I'm sure Richard Spencer's familiar with them. <laughs> no, I think it's Greg Johnson and his uh, yeah. That, my that's more Nazi that's a, furs. I wouldn't say Nazi furs like the the My Little Pony guy, you know. Oh God! <laughs> oh, that's Lord like that's mercy. like the whole um. That's the whole like uh the the nuclear family was a Jewish conspiracy to ruin gay men. <laughs> Did you see that article? No, what the hell? Yeah, they uh, they actually ran an article that was the Jewish uh no the the court the nuclear family is a Jewish conspiracy. Who published this? That was Greg Johnson. That's that's just bizarre. <laughs> yeah, that's one way to put it. But um it, over time they the uh like these games they rewrote their their meta plot and softened things. And every time they've done it, they've just made people more angry because they try to go too woke and they end up screwing everything up. Like the like with what y'all talked about with the uh, with Chechnya, where they tried to go woke with about the Chechnya thing and it did not look well. It it didn't look good and people well, got butthurt about it. How's that? Like the thing the thing about Chechnya is you you have like real realistically you have two options. You can either be mad about. Uh, the base Chechens uh, being mean to, you know, um, you know, the, the chosen sort of... The, the homo-aids people. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the, um, I was gonna, I was gonna say the, uh, the sort of, like, sexual uh, shock troops of the, uh, of, of the globalist regime, or you can be, like, for, you know, pro, pro-Muslim, but, like, you can't be both. And so, so they they chose to side with like you know, their their uh their race, gay race, right? Because yep. like you know, racial and group preference and all that. And um, now they they they're kind of reaping the consequences because there's a contradiction there in sort of in sort of system ideology, right? Like if I'm if I'm a dude who's like a uh you know kind of values sort of um I don't know uh, ethnic. Uh, self-determination in, in the abstract, right? I have no problem with Chechnya doing whatever the hell it does inside of the Russian Federation as a semi-autonomous zone, right? But if you if you have their ideology, you, you actually run up against several issues because the Chechens, from your view, necessarily must be a, an oppressed Muslim minority in a majority white Christian nation, which isn't And really simultaneously... They are oppressing a sodomite minority <laughs> mm. inside of a majority Muslim area. <laughs> and, so, and this is a problem that White Wolf has done to themselves repeatedly by trying to touch on these things. Let them touch these things. Yeah, they, yeah. they walked back a huge thing that they did uh, about vampires in World War II, uh, where the vampires were involved with the pogroms and the Holocaust because it gave them a, a, like a free, consistent source of food. And they walked that back really quick recently. When the I think I think in uh, Vampire Five or B Five, I've not read anything since like revised. They they changed all of that so that it's not like that anymore. So that you can somehow play the bad good guy who's not involved with that stuff. If your character's like an old German, I I, I see. That's the thing is like 
Okay, I'm I'm actually like I don't see like much of a point to the only people that get like really bent out of shape about people who whose like ancestors had involvement in that sort of thing, like in the states especially, are like liberals. Like I, most people, when I I talk to like my um normal people I know, like semi-normal, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm related to a guy who was like a, a fighter ace and uh. JG-52, you know, out in the Eastern Front, and he died in Poland. And they're like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, it doesn't even... They're like, oh, okay. There's a Luftwaffe dude. Alright. <laughs> like, the only people that really get bent out of shape are these sort of hyper-politicized liberal types. Like, normies are like... Oh, Which is the majority okay. of their fan base now. Well, yeah, well, because they cultivated it, obviously, right? Yeah, oh yeah, it's a bunch of, it's a bunch of weird trannies with hormone imbalances shrieking feminine types and you know butch weird it's it's all this weird mix of like hyper hormonal imbalance that leads to them shrieking about everything with which fits because it's the the you know the white wolf games came out in the 90s and you know back then the only people playing uh you know role-playing games were weirdos and these people were the weirdos who the weirdos didn't want to hang out with so yeah it's only natural that that's what sprung from it. Unfortunately, I ended up liking the you know the general setting and stuff like that, and ended up having to deal with them more often than not. But uh, that's Look, that's it's just... okay, Stug. We we here at Little Wars accept you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yes, we do. <laughs> You're stunning and brave for coming out today. <laughs> <laughs> the... Some, something that you guys will appreciate, though, uh, with the with all the White Wolf stuff is uh, regardless of whether or not you, you know, like, because it's, it's not generally theologically accurate in any way, shape or form, but it has an extreme, specifically vampire, the, the old stuff um, from before 2004, um, when they ended the frickin world was um is all extremely Christian, quote, mythology, end quote, and I'm I'm Catholic, so I'm not going to really refer to it that way, but that's how they view it. Yeah. And right. so the first vampire is Cain. I, I think, honestly, uh, just just brief aside, I think folklore is a better uh, is a better term yeah, than I, mythology. I, I, I should have said that, but I, I didn't right then, so. Yeah, yeah. But, but, well, that's, but that's how they refer that's to they, it. That's I've, how they I've base seen, it. And that's yeah, what I've they seen consider them it. Call mytholo- it. They, they, they're going right. to consider it that, so I guess I'm using their terminology for it, but yeah, but we know what you mean, yeah. Yeah, it's uh but the the first vampire is Cain. Um and yeah. all the other vampires come past <laughs> from him. As uh as was said on uh, Seth's review of uh, Vampire the Masquerade, uh Cain didn't like his brother Abel, so Cain disabled him. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then God was not happy about that. So God, as punishment, gave Cain superpowers. <laughs> 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 yeah. But uh, what what about uh, Hunter? Isn't there a game that's like Hunter the the, vig- the Virgil the Vigil something like that? Hunter the Virgin versus Vampire the Chad. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Hunter the Virgin, exactly. Well, all right, so. So uh, there's, if we're talking about Old Wad, it's Hunter the the Reckoning, and these people are okay. like... Okay, Old Wad? <laughs> yeah, World of Darkness. Yeah, the, the Old World of Darkness, uh, from before 2004. Um, 
they have been given like divine revelation and are like Ted Kaczynski, basically. That's what all the characters are. It's amazing. It's actually a ton of fun to play. Yeah, I've seen uh, I've seen excerpts from the book and they they do make almost explicitly Christian references to the to the hunters that them being like God's God's missionaries almost on Earth to like put an end to this like evil menace kind of thing. Yeah, that's the orange book, Hunter. The green book one is Hunter the Vigil. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, and Hunter the Vigil is probably one of the best uh, games if you want to just play normal humans dealing with, you know, scary bump-in-the-night type things. Um, and it, yeah. sca- it scales up from, from you know, like you at the local, like, community watch all the way to, like, men in black level conspiracy theories. So you can you can run it from any of those ranges. I tried to read that book because uh, it was recommended to me as being so based and and oh look at this it's very pro Christian and, and it's it's very fascist and right wing and I and I read it and it's all about like even though even though these people are they kind of operate like fascists they're very inclusive and they don't care if you're homosexual as long as you're not a vampire. I'm like what why did you need to include that why was that needed Yes. That's the biggest problem that they've done with these games is instead of they, they keep the in in all of the flavor that they try to put into the game to explain it, they try to in, they insert their politics rather than just leave it alone and let you determine how the game is supposed to be run. You can obviously just ignore all that. It's not that hard to do, but it makes it, it's 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 just annoying. Like reading the it's books. very invasive though. Like like I talk about Shadowrun on here, and and I've I I've, I've done a review of Shadowrun six and talked about pause and Shadowrun editions. The thing about Shadowrun is there's a very small section of the lore that is pause. I mean, I'm talking two paragraphs out of the entire lore section, and nobody ever used it or paid attention to it anyway. It was very pause, very stupid, and they wanted it to be a thing, but they didn't really push it. You if you ignored those two paragraphs the rest of the book was fine the issue with this all this white wolf stuff is it's fucking everywhere yes i mean you've posted these things about how like they're claiming all samurais were gay pedophiles yes it, it's, it's just <laughs> absurd and and that's well that's a, a, a much newer book oh. also it's one of those things that's become more pervasive though too the the first book that i ever actually got of theirs was uh, the mm. core rule book for uh, for for the the quote new world of darkness um, mm. that it doesn't have anything really like that it just there might be a weird throwaway line here or there for something but that's it it's not it's not every it's not on every single page or every couple of pages it's just kind of here or there you know yeah and, yeah and, or, or or it's in those stupid stories that are at the beginning of chapters that nobody reads. Yeah, Shadowrun has those too, and I'm always like, why do they include those? Nobody reads those. With the White Wolf ones, they they changed the entire setting when they up when they went to 2.0 for uh, for for New World of Darkness and changed it to Chronicles of Darkness, which yeah. was when they were putting out uh, uh, the new Vampire uh, Vampire Fifth Edition or whatever V5. Um. They did that, and they, they took one of those stories and basically rewrote and created their own little weird meta plot again, which was unnecessary, involving the god machine and fallen, you know, the, the fallen clockwork angels that became demons. It's just uh, like it was unnecessary. <laughs> they just did a bunch of DMT and then wrote down what they saw. 
basically the it's it's a I, I, and i don't understand why they chose to do that but they did but uh but yeah the, it's not in a lot of the older books it's not anywhere near as pervasive they might have their their weird gay like throwaway stuff about you know you know magenicides or whatever but they're not gonna they're not that's, that's not every single page it, it's only going to be in like you know very specific context and it's not gonna you know not everything is about the like gay pedophiles samurai from outer space or whatever <laughs> yeah well speaking of which i feel like this is a good time to get into a uh, segment from vampire's uh, fifth version which is appendix three advice for considerate play and it's got a number of uh, number of good headings in here, and I'm going to read a few a few separate uh, segments, and we can talk about each one afterwards. So the first one is from the section character and player identity, and this one starts off with, for instance, your table. Well, it doesn't start off with this. I'm picking up halfway through, but it says, uh, for instance, your table may include people who identify as trans, and whether they plan to transition or not. They will probably not feel comfortable if you portray the trans experience as a simple preference or a condition to be cured or if you just assume that all their characters are also trans. Always respect your players identities and <laughs> identities and <laughs> multiple identities all of them and remember that they do not necessarily align with the identities of their characters. Now I want to ask you guys, have you ever met someone who's not trans who plays a trans character? No. Have you ever met somebody who's like aggressively and openly trans who plays a non-trans character? I, I don't play with trans people. Okay, well, I played with one. I actually, I've played with two, come to think of it, and both of them played only trans characters. So just from my lived experiences, I'm going to tell these guys to fuck Which off. Which is the most important thing. Remember, exactly. anecdotal, anecdotal lived experiences, the, the most important data Ooh. point. Uh, anecdotal is a problematic term. We just call it lived experiences, and that makes it the truth. Oh, yeah, anecdotal is a big word. It's a big word, and it implies things like uh, per capita. Ooh, scary stuff. Got to stay away from that. Mm. But, uh, yeah, no, this, this whole idea of, like, just because... Uh, oh, and then the best part to me, and the part that really stuck out to me, was that first part where it says uh, that the, uh, the, tr the trans, all this trans experience is not a simple preference or a condition to be cured. And I'm just like, citation fucking needed. Autogynephilia is a preference, yes. <laughs> yeah, and, and gender dysmorphia, or no, dysphoria, sorry. Gender dysphoria is a, is a condition to be cured. So where are they coming from this beyond just their preference to cater to this degeneracy? Like, why do they just flat out state these are not these things, and you just have to deal with that? We're not gonna, we're not gonna tolerate dissent. It's like, well, you're wrong, though. Well, because if you phrase it that way, it puts lie to the um to the framing of the neoliberal system. Kind of like how the Chinese always have to reinforce that whatever the hell they're doing is Chinese or is socialism with Chinese characteristics, as opposed to something that is distinctly not communism. Um, or or how uh. You know, it's there's there's this sort of formative myth that everything's about like consent and freedom and and uh, you being you or whatever. And and it, when you start violating that rhetorically, it kind of puts lie to the entire system, right? Yeah, that's why you have to frame as evil the very act of questioning those things. Well, yeah, exactly. You have the the issue therein being that you know, 
it it is more of a they are they are playing a role just as just as much out of game as they are in game and they can't break character if that makes any sense Mm, yes okay yeah i get what you're saying so so what they're doing here is when when they frame this this way it's actually ironically they tend to be terrible role players well (laughs) well if you're if you were using all your role-playing creativity like being yourself as opposed to i don't know using it you know being a role player i mean that'd be pretty easy obviously Right, you're so you're so deeply invested into the role that is your life that you can't separate yourself to come up with a fictional character that's separate from you. Right. But beyond that, um the uh so so when you're looking at this, they're, they they can't break frame and they you know and it's it's almost when they say these things, it's actually less about talking to you or me or, or even an apolitical person as it is reinforcing these things to themselves. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because nobody who's not gay is going to read this appendix and go, wow, I really got to change my ways. <laughs> no well, one's going to be like, I'm moved by this crap. <laughs> I mean, nobody nobody fundamentally is moved by liberalism, as our, as our good friend um, uh, at the National Hyphen is, is always eager to point out. Um, I don't know. Some people are moved by it, but it's generally because they are they are flawed and weak and degenerate of them and immoral themselves. And so by embracing it, they are allowed to have this sort of cover for their own flaws or, or shortcomings. Well, th- th- but that's not like an emotional move to you're, you're not emotionally moved towards liberalism in that you're you're not like. Um... Well, it's fear. It's it's fear of being called out if there's not a enough social momentum behind they're you know covering up for their own actions naturally it's 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 entirely ulterior there is there is within liberalism mm. no uh um it's not inspir it's not inspirational right there's no there's no movement in it that's uh you know it's ironic too that that there's no inspiration because it's essentially the 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 religion of the culture right now which is why it must be in every single book the way it is now it's the mm-hmm. same. It's why it's in Shadowrun the way it is. It's why it's in all the White Wolf stuff. The White Wolf probably Dungeons and was, Dragons, Pathfinder. Yes, it's it's the religion, so it must be in there. And you can see mm-hmm. the difference with the old stuff a little bit with that because the religion then was Christianity, yeah, more so than it was liberalism. I I'm willing to guess otherwise that would not have been such a major proponent of the mythology that they created for those systems. Counterpoint. Um, it wasn't. It was still liberalism, but liberalism oh, had not. Fa- yeah, liber- liberalism had not faltered to the point it had now. The the uh, the tendency to sort of uh, rely so heavily on um, on these sorts of uh, invocations of liberalism and its and its sort of consequences are a direct result of liberalism's sort of omnipresent decay and failings nowadays. So mm. and and as you see liberalism falter more and more. Uh, media framed in this sort of liberal or liberal adjacent where you have these sort of leftists that that uh, exist as a product and function of the liberal system their their media is going to become more and more hinged in this sort of framing of of these sort of tropes of liberalism you're saying that they they feel the need to violently defend the failing system that they are uh, that they are loyal to well yeah it's, it's the only thing that allows them to exist they must right. defend it. 
Well, they must defend it, but they, they're only violently defending it now as opposed to maybe in 1996 because liberalism is now more obviously failing than it was in 1996. And as time goes on, that is only going to continually worsen. Uh, it's only it's only becoming more and more obvious uh, that you need to be skeptical of liberalism. It's the sunk cost fallacy, right? Like they've they've invested so much of their identity and their core belief system into liberalism that there's there's no going back now. So the more it fails, the more they feel they have to fight to keep it going. Well, it not even that. It's it's more of a holding on to power thing too. Like there's there's a lot going on like on multiple levels here, with with this sort of liberal system and its its perpetuation right uh and you could you could spend hours and hours and hours looking at it this way but i i think the uh yeah. you know the the uh it's it's I, i'm trying to find the right way to put what i'm trying to say here but i, I just can't so <laughs> All right. Well, let me uh, let me read a bit out of the uh, there's a lot to read here, but it'll come to me if you if you read this. Yeah. 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 Here's here's something that's st really stood out to me is that and th we've gone over this in like the uh, consent in gaming stuff is that these people are really asking a lot from you if you want to actually follow their bullshit rules, like the, the things that they're asking you to do. To, to be, you know, a, a kosher player, a kosher role player is astounding to me. So I'm going to read this bit and then tell you what, I, what this says to me. Uh, let's see. Rather than fearing representing different identities and thus excluding, for instance, the trans experience or the experience of growing up as an Arab kid in Northern Europe from your game, play with sexuality, gender, nationality, and so on. Who knows? You may even discover aspects of yourself you never suspected. If you need help with making your portrayal respectful and true to life, ask someone who belongs to the group you are portraying for tips and insights. Excuse me, sir, that is a hate crime. That is also, it's rent-seeking, <laughs> is what it well, is. Well, you, you, can't, you can't ask these people for information. If you do, you're committing a hate crime because you don't already know everything about them. And now you're making presumptions. Yeah, but here's what really stood out to me. This is what really gets me. They are simultaneously saying, you must include all the gay race in your games, in your game worlds. And you must do all of the research to be able to realistically and respectfully portray the gay race in your games. And of course, the hidden implication is that Unless you will never be- Unless you're playing gay samurai, which they apparently provide the information for you for. <laughs> oh, I'm sure, I'm sure there's, it's not enough. That, <laughs> that was my hell? next point. It's, it's never enough though. It doesn't matter how much research you do. They're always going to be able to pick apart something you did wrong and problematic and not respectful enough. But still, the implication there is that you need to devote so much time into both making sure that you include all of the gay race in your games and do all the research to be able to realistically and respectfully and blah, 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 portray gay race in your games. So you can't exclude them because you're afraid of stereotyping. And if you include them, you have to do all this research. Do you see what I'm saying? They're asking so much from anybody who wants to be loyal to this crap, but even even so, you you end up with the you end up with scenarios wherein they, uh, you know, they're they're trying to reinforce the idea that like you know rent with this rent seeking wherein you create a sort of 
uh, paradigm where these people have a sort of unique expertise that you need to go out. But also imagine if this game was actually based and it was framed from a perspective of you have to include all the monster girls. <laughs> well, I have got the game for you then. <laughs> what? I, I I have the game for you then. You can play your your weird monster girls by uh, by playing uh, werewolf. They've got uh, they've got all of those in that. You know, fucking no. wizard girls and shit and spider girls and whatever else you want to do. Uh, I don't I don't know what you're into, dude. Uh, gr yes, girls with girls with wings. In, you, you played in my game. You know exactly what I meant. No. <laughs> uh, no, it's. Shark girls. Okay, stop. I'm, I'm getting too turned on now to continue. You gotta stop. All right, we'll go ahead and stop there with that. <laughs> how, about the, how about the uh how about the weird uh fascism in play thing where they're where they're calling yes, everything that's... that's new that's new good and everything that's old bad because they literally say that after the first paragraph but fascism is about building a new system based off of like the realities of the um it's it, of history uh, well, it's, it's about learning the lessons of well, history it's, it's about the realities of um it's about the realities of modern mass society and then dovetailing that with the um with the sort of lessons of history to try to reach a sort of and I'm going to trigger a lot of a lot of logos people in the audience to reach a Hegelian synthesis a, a synthetic system that um can sort of rectify the the decay of the old order with a creation of a new um shall we say like a new one that's better suited to coping with the realities of modern society with these sort of realities of traditional society which you know not not necessarily bad but i mean if you're like i mean if you're a catholic integralist it is i guess but whatever it is what it is but it's not like new bad old good they they just don't understand it but but it's it's all caps or uh, the each, each word is capitalized the bad old ways so what the hell are they doing? And then they're they're talking about how traditionalism is bad, but I mean that's yeah. If you're playing a specific type of character, you can you could do that, but it, that's not how every character should be played, and that's my main issue with this. They're trying to tell you how to play your damn game. Well, even well, this this is that invocation of liberalism again. I mean, the... all right. Well, let me let me actually read it because we're talking around it. All right, let me all right. read. This. There are several parts in here. I just want to read through them all just so that we can have them on record. The highlighted part first. <laughs> Bo both highlighted parts and a section in the middle. So first of all, fascism in play. Vampire the Masquerade is not a fascist friendly game. If you are a neo-Nazi alt-writer or whatever you're calling yourself nowadays, we urge you to put down this book and call someone who you trust to talk about where your life went so wrong. Brief aside, uh, our labels most of the time aren't things we choose for ourselves. So it's whatever you're calling yourself nowadays. Again, this is this is that like why are you hitting yourself tendency of liberalism, which is one of its most disgusting. The aspects. liberal cries out as he strikes you. Yes, liberal liberalism. I mean, yeah, is... that's that's true. We okay. So spe speaking on this, we uh, I I asked <laughs> before we recorded. I asked Doug. I was like, isn't there a story about White Wolf employing a Nazi? And, like, they, they got caught by that, and they had to fire the guy, and there was some kind of controversy. And so we did a little research. We did a little, uh, did a little digging up. And, uh... It's, it's a... Yeah. It's a Jewish pervert dude who, uh, who was sexually harassing women. 
and and who and who has said bad things about trannies. Yes, it's a Jewish turf named Zach. His uh, I guess his screen name or whatever his Zach name is, Sabbath. Uh, what a shitty fucking Zach, name. <laughs> Zach Sabbath. Oy vey. Uh, yeah, and yeah, he dude, was like, choose a badass animal plus monster girl name. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, okay, Monkus Kikimura. All right. Uh no, he like they're they're whining about like oy vey, this guy is alt right and like he included pro Nazi symbols and dog whistles and uh he used the word triggered. This is my favorite fucking bit from the entire thing. He used the word triggered. And they go on to explain that triggered is actually a hate term. It's a hate word because it's a slur against people who suffer from mental disabilities. Just, Did you guys know that? It, well, you're. It's. Uh, I remember when that was first coming around. That was that was a way to mock all the weird. Uh, uh, what what do we call what do we call them in 2014 and 2015? Snowflakes. Snowflake. Tumblrites, snowflakes, yeah. Yeah, the, the, I think we called them tumblerinas on 4chan back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now it's now it's a, a tr- the ter- the word triggered is a pejorative used against those with very real and important mental health issues. But but all that guy did was was make a few of them butt hurt by by wanting he, he he was a weird sexual degenerate who was sexually harassing women. While simultaneously being a feminist, probably from 20 years ago, who never updated his views, and he probably tried to get with a, with a, a quote, tranny, didn't know, found out it had a wiener, and then flipped out. And that's what probably got everybody mad at him. Also, here at Little Wars, we do not believe women, and I doubt he molested anyone, unless we have, like, recording uh, proof of it. I'm... I'm- I, I, I don't I believe never... women, but I also don't believe Jews. So. Oh, God. Well, but women are the Jews of gender. Yeah, but the Jews are Yeah, but Jews. according to John Lennon, actually, I'm not going to say that on your show right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're yeah, not. Yeah. No, we, we all know. We all know. <laughs> we all know. We all know. <laughs> no, but. Um, okay, well, we don't know. N- none of us were there. I don't believe any of them. I think they all molested each other, so. Anyway, so yeah, that was that was the Nazi. That was the neo-Nazi. Is this Jewish, like turf feminist guy, who's like, he caused controversies. So when they say if you are a neo-Nazi or whatever you're calling yourself nowadays, I'm like, what? What can I call myself to not be grouped in with with Zach Sabbath? What can I call myself that'll like separate me from him? Because you just call him what I am anyway. So whatever. <laughs> oh jeez. But yeah, the best part is that passive-aggressive, uh, we urge you to put this book down and call someone who you trust to talk about where you went so wrong in your life. Ryan Landry recently has has had this sort of uh, late motif in his writing um, on uh, The American Sun. Another very good blog, in addition to The National Hyphen, that you should read if you don't. Um, and he said uh, one of the one of the horrible thing or one of the things that's most infuriating about liberalism in the abstract is that the liberal can never accept the blame for anything that's gone wrong. It, it must be externalized. So it's it's not the fault of it. Now, it, your your circumstances as an Arab child growing up in Northern Europe can cause dysfunction, but uh, 
the society that liberalism has created for you could could definitely not have uh, any influence on your politics. The fact that you are a evil Nazi is incumbent on you and you alone. Yeah, how about the circumstances where you're a young white kid growing up in Appalachia whose uh, community is being flooded by uh, pharmaceuticals produced by a Jewish pharmaceutical company pushed by Indian doctors while all the jobs are being taken by illegal Mexicans? Is Are those... Should those uh, troubles be taken into account? Uh, no. Let's say let's say you're a white kid at a who went to a half black middle school and and was uh, you know, and and understood why the black kids you know were nasty to him. Well, did you have do you have any uh, justified reason for for any any amount of sort of disliking of the of the multiracial project? Uh, no, any any sort of policy or stance you stance you take on that. Um, that uh that contravenes liberalism is your own fault it's your own doing and there's no there's nothing the liberals did or liberalism did to you right right and your experience should be discounted right because you're an enemy of our gay race <laughs> yeah i mean and ultimately really the the heartening thing here is that liberalism will be destroyed it's untenable um it's it's untenable okay. it's it's unrealistic it will be destroyed. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Let's let's get back though to role playing games. Yes. Uh, and talk about. Uh, so I'm gonna read this. I guess it's related because they brought it up first. But uh, yeah. So real quick, middle chapter they talk about. Uh, middle of this chapter they say, "What if somebody wants to play a fascist though, or a storyteller wants to introduce a fascist SPC?" I don't know what SPC stands... means. That's. I think that means storyteller playing character, but that's a new term. Storyteller player character, which is which is like it's riffing on GMPC, why, which is already a retarded. Which is already a terrible and, idea. Yeah, I mean, I've it's I've just I've NPC. had NPCs that have come close to being like what people would traditionally call GMPCs. I just re resent the use of the term. Well, GMPC, yeah, GMPC is a retarded term. Well, they are if all the character is continuously recurring, like it, it just is what it is. But if you're like actively inserting one in. It's just gay. It's a recurring character. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just a recurring NPC. It's There's no such thing as a GM PC because the GM is not a player in the same way that the players are players. The GM is not limited by the things that limit a player in that that dynamic. You know, that submissive, uh, dominant uh, BDSM dynamic. Oh, we, won't we be getting to that later with this <laughs> section? Yes. Yeah. Oh, so that's anyway, a that's a, um, Oh, never mind. I was going to talk more about liberalism, but this is not this is not metapolitics. <laughs> you out. Your, I have I have done you've this reached is, this your limit. Little, little wars <laughs> metapolitics edition. I'm not going to like <laughs> Yes. Uh, and basically the real failing of Vampire the Masquerade is that it ne nowhere in here does it promise us a Yandere vampire GF. I mean truly, truly. <laughs> you got it. You're set now. Truly, no, 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 no. You uh, you need no. you need you need Yandere vampire GF. Uh yeah. Uh did this All right, so anyway, Anyway, what what if someone wants to play a fascist? Blah blah blah. Um, there are Ooh, plenty of those throughout the world of dark vampire GF. Hmm. <laughs> well, implying there's any other type. Uh there are plenty of those throughout the world of darkness. Monsters, but many with pretty faces. They can be a tragic villain or a former friend who fell. Or even someone who the player character thinks of as an ally. They might be Bruja neo-Nazis, the far-right Ventru billionaire. Uh, Koch brothers, anyone? Uh, or the Simisi Did they eugenicist. actually say Koch brothers, anyone? 
No, that's what they're implying. That's what they're that, referencing there. Which is there. hilarious because the Koch brothers don't donate to the DNC now. <laughs> yes, but that's that's you know that's the boogeyman in their head. They're retarded. They don't know any better. They think. Yeah, it's Karl Rove and Dick Cheney still. Yeah, they say far right. Uh... Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Dick Cheney is funding Richard Spencer. <laughs> yeah. Right. Imagine thinking that. Imagine thinking I that. <laughs> I mean, well, their idea of far right billionaire has got to be like um oh god what's the uh what's the guy with the weird name the south african uh, guy elon musk Tesla? yeah they're probably thinking of elon musk as a far because he one time said he wants to make cat girls real <laughs> well to be fair that is one of the most far-right positions you can take oh sorry I, I'm, I'm respecting him too much by calling him that I need, I need to refer to him as uh as like roscoe used to i think he used to call him ellen musk we're not, we're not, we're not pronouncing uh, it correctly. No, no. This this show, we respect Elon Musk because he wants to make cat girls. I real. actually don't respect Elon want... Musk because I believe he is a what? con man, and he's he's only he is only. Oh, he's definitely a con man. That, that's a, he's one of the best con yeah, men out of course. there. He's a con man, but he's raising important questions in the public consciousness, like how do we get to cat girls? But I believe that he's actually no. He's not. He's not raising those questions. It's already in the public consciousness. He's exploiting it for his <laughs> con man tendencies. With the uh, with the, all those California support dollars for yes. for green energy or whatever, Look, he's repeating the signal. Receive the cat girl signal. Repeat the cat girl signal. But you can't. The, the the meme with the signal is that you can't repeat the signal. And I also, I'm too much of a red pilled and cap to repeat the signal. <laughs> That's true. All right, uh, fine. All right. <laughs> all right. Where was I? Um. Whatever face they present, the player character should be given the satisfaction of redeeming or destroying them, meaning the fascist characters, eventually. After all, the player characters are something unique and special. Something fascists cannot abide. Every single NPC type person that I've ever met, and I, I don't even like using that, that term really anymore, they are all, they're, they're all cookie cutters. All of the people that are playing oh, yeah. this game are identical to each other, and their players are just slightly quirky versions of themselves almost now. Yeah, and they, they think they're unique and special, and they need the book to tell them that they're well, unique and special. You know, well, let, let's, actually, let's actually look at this from the other angle, too. What, is, what does doctrinaire fascism tell us? It's about the edification of the collective through individual will and the edification of the individual through collective will. The idea is that everyone is in some way unique and special, but also the same, and that by forming everyone together into a giant bundle of sticks, the faggot cannot be broken. Right. Exactly. Like, and again, like, I'm gonna, I, I like, okay, bringing up, like, okay, what did, what is actual fascism is like an own on these people is kind of basic, but it really should highlight the point that these people don't know what the fuck they're talking about, ever. <laughs> I don't even, I don't feel the need to defend fascism because they don't even know what the fuck fascism is. Well, I'm is. not even defending fascism no at this point. I'm just saying what fascism is in that they've gotten it wrong. <laughs> but they're not even talking about fascism. They're talking about any, re any rejection of their own pause and stupidity. You know, if it's slightly right of, I don't know, Kamala Harris, it's fascism now, so... Well, I'm okay that, with any rejection to. of these people being fascism, okay? Like, I'm fine with that. If... If you don't want trannies, you become a fascist. That's cool. I'm I'm okay with that because all you know what all that you know what all that means. Everyone is like. <laughs> what, we like just, 80, 89 percent of the population. Yeah. No. When everyone is fascist, no one is. 
Uh, wait, wait, no, that's not how that. That's not how that works. No. Yeah, that that <laughs> that's the Incredibles, I think. Yeah, that was the Incredibles. Yeah, that's the joke. Uh, no, but I just I love that bit. That right at the end there, it's so aggressively gay. After all, the player characters are something unique and special. Something fascists cannot abide. I abide unique and specialness. The Japanese people and their their nice little drawings of monster girls are unique and special. No, it's just the this fucking notion that like a fascist role playing group has like twenty cutouts of the same like Call of Duty guy. Admittedly, that would be kind of fun. It's just, it's just the dude in the siege masks. That would actually be kind of fun. D- yeah. yeah, siege Crap. mata, siege mata, powered by meth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, you're right. That is funny. Damn it, they're right. <laughs> no, but it's like, in all of the games that we've played, I I mean, this is it's pointless to argue because it's not based on anything. It's retarded. Anyway, it's just that. It's just retarded. All right, I'm going to read the last section here. Yeah, remember, playing a character's opinions you oppose can be a great way to understand how supremacist ideas work and how to spot and fight them in the real world. Right up until you get to the next paragraph. Yeah, well, just a little aside, these people uh, have no idea what we think. They are always going to be cartoonish versions of anything they portray. They can't actually... They can't actually, like... One of of my favorites is, like, the, um... There's this, like... Uh, a lot of people on Reddit will like to brag about the time they played a Just Following Orders campaign where they had their players like go and exterminate a bunch of elves, and then they're like, and then the the big plot reveal was like, oh, but you guys were actually just acting like the Nazis, right? Framed in this sort mm-hmm. of like everyone will just follow orders, but like that's not actually the case. Also, fuck elves. Let's go. Let's have a campaign where we just kill them. That's fine. That well, that that is that is entirely fair, but you know. If you if you leave off that second part about let's just go kill him, I bet you can get Titus in on this, bud. <laughs> we we need to slay them. <laughs> oh god. All right, but yeah, no. The the immediate next sentence is fictionally experiencing seductive perspectives like blaming the other, conforming to norms, and fighting for a grand purpose can help you spot these tendencies in yourself and others and diminish their power Is that not what they're doing here? (laughs) Yes. Let me just repeat. The three things that are evil but seductive are blaming the other, fascists, conforming to norms, gay race, and fighting for a grand purpose, inclusivity. Well... But that's the thing is, though, like, these things are seductive. It's like, yes, because they are omnipresent realities of the human condition, and whether or not you believe you will do them, you will. You have no choice. Well, okay, which which tact are we taking here? Are we calling them out for doing exactly what they're saying, or are we responding to their, like, attempt to pathologize natural law? Both. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, they are even more authoritarian than anything else basically has ever been. If, I, I if, disagree. If, if, okay, well, you, I mean, we can disagree on that, but they're they're way more authoritarian than they're claiming that it, these other people are, that they're calling far-right fascists. Like, it, it's just absurd. Well, it's a dishonest authoritarianism. Well they, well, they must be, otherwise their system falls apart, and that's how all systems yeah. perpetuate themselves. Well, it, that, if... That's, it just is what it is. But I'm they're, gonna say they're it. taking that perspective. I'm going to say the L word. Liberalism is defined by its lack of self-awareness, which is just illustrated right here perfectly. 
the liberal doesn't understand natural law and how it uh how it sort of affects him so he's like fundamentally incapable of dealing with like the um it, when he says things like this they always they'll always fall flat because that's what he does the liberal is a hypocrite right whereas i'm like yeah, this guy's being a hypocrite. Like, pathologizing the other, fighting for a grand purpose, and fitting in with people are something that all humans desire. Well, not to mention, not to mention real quick, to bring this back to role-playing games. Because again, audience, I remind you, we are talking about role-playing. This is in a role-playing game book. Yes. So this is related to our show, I swear. It sounds like we've suddenly gone into politics, but this isn't a role-playing game book. But anyway, to bring this back, Stug, you've played these games... Nobody, nobody does this shit. Nobody gives a fuck about this. Crap. No, no, no. Let me, let me ask my question. Blaming the other, conforming to norms, and fighting for a grand purpose—are those not part of the world in World of Darkness? That's how the world works. Yeah, right. Aren't they saying actively to their audience, "Don't do the very things that our game is all about"? Yes, that's what they're doing. They, they even, they even say that in that, uh, in that next, uh, in the next uh, paragraph thing. Where they say you are not, yes. uh, where they say you are not obligated to tolerate fascists in game or out of game, uh, while telling you that you can play them uh, respectfully. Uh, the, in the paragraph before, where they said that you could play the uh, the supremacist type character, it's just absurdity. Yeah, let me uh, let me read this. This is all in character, of course. At the time of writing, the real world is currently inundated with far right fascist ideologues or ide- ideologies. So we have to fight them in the back of this RPG book. <laughs> yeah. Inundated with far-right fascist ideologies being given free reign by well-meaning people who want to preserve civility. What people? Is that Twitter? Is that Facebook? Is that YouTube? Is that they're, Google? They're like they're angry that people are like I respect free speech. Like this is this is the uh this is the silence is violence. Like if you're not actively out there like crucifying Richard Spencer, you're like uh part of the neo-Nazi conspiracy to destroy gay race. <laughs> yeah, but I don't even like see where there is anywhere where it's like you could still go out and say like institutionally I there's nowhere like that. I mean, you'll run into yeah. the occasional conservative who says something. I mean, that's rare, but yeah. Well, a norm normie cons will say it, but like um no, they won't. They'll oftentimes say like it's an unacceptable speech and needs to be shut down. We're not like that. They're a bunch of cucks, dude. <laughs> Normicons I've run into, not like not like people that are oh, like ideologues. Oh, you mean like the the rank and file, not Yeah, the yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And they're angry about rank oh, okay. and file, not politicians, always. Okay, all right, all right. Anyway, the book continues. If you see people at your table opening up with alt-right talking points, we encourage you to shut that shit down. If you become uncomfortable with a storyline in-game because of what's happening out of game... Use one of the techniques listed here. Notice that they never listed any actual techniques other than yelling at each other. Yeah, they just, the only technique is shut that shit down. They don't, they don't, they, like, they don't even do the whole thing where a lot of games will list, like, the X card and the other bullshit that we've talked about on the show. They just say, use the techniques listed here. Uh, where? Well, uh, anyway. You are not obligated to tolerate fascists in-game or out-of-game. Uh, tell me, White Wolf, what does it look like to not tolerate fascists out of game? Are you promoting violence? Yes. Yeah, they clearly are. Yes, that, that's what they're doing, of course. This game is a way to tell stories about understanding and perhaps fixing some of the darkness in our own world. Use that to your advantage. All right, all so right. their game is about being gay. All right, l- 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 let me say this real quick. 
that is not what this game is about at all. Yeah, <laughs> if, I know! If, if, you're, if you're actually playing this game, the game is about being... The, Vampire is is about the hypocritical like life of a vampire where you're trying to be not blatant but simultaneously prey on a population yeah without ever being caught you are a literal parasite and they are terrible people yeah every single vampire game i have ever played in devolves into player versus player within the first five sessions because it's the nature of the game it's how it is meant to be played uh, so, so I, I think you mean understanding and fixing some of the darkness, right? Your characters are the darkness, and you're not fixing <laughs> shit. You're making it worse, and that's the point of the game. So, the, the fact that so they're trying to put all this in the back, they're trying to make you play Vampire Super Friends D&D. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> the game has never worked that way, and these people, like, it's like they've never actually sat down and played their own fucking game. Well, it's, this is so weird. You're not, so, you're, so what you're saying is you're not really like a party. You're all just seeing who can crawl on their own skin the hardest. It, it's <laughs> If I could describe it one way, it, if you have ever been paranoid, you will be a perfect vampire player. If you have severe paranoia, you'll be an even better one. Because the game will almost always... If you're playing... Actually, if you're playing Sabat, which are the most monstrous ones of them, the game will actually be more cohesive and players will not attack each other anywhere near as much simply because you have a <laughs> universal goal of, like, bringing Kane and the antediluvians and shit back. Whereas if you're playing Camarilla, it's all backstabbing politics and shit and trying to get somebody staked and thrown in the sun. So you're saying it works better when you're blaming the other, conforming to norms, and fighting for a grand purpose? Yes, when you're doing everything they're telling you not to do. It's perfect. <laughs> so it's so it's so much cognitive dissonance. I don't get how they do it. Yeah, and and then every just so you know, I'm I'm almost willing to bet you money that I know who wrote this pair, like all of this. Uh, maybe not in person, but I've definitely dealt with them online. I'm I'm mm. willing to bet you money that I have. And I know that these types of people don't play the way that they just wrote all this stuff out. I bet they don't even play. They, they never will, because you can't play the game that way. It doesn't work that way. It's not meant to be played that way. This actually does uh, sound like HR bullshit. It is HR bullshit, somebody. and so is that. Like, it's just fucking insane. Yeah, this sounds like something that was written by somebody that, like, in the HR department who doesn't even like role-playing games. Well, that's probably who wrote this, because the people who, who are writing a lot of this type of crap at the end of the books are, yeah. it, like, this is just, this is their disclaimer. They used to put a disclaimer at the front of the books telling you, listen, these books aren't for, like, actual satanic rituals. This is a fucking role-playing game. Calm <laughs> the fuck down. They used to put yeah. that at the beginning of the books, and now they've got all this crap at the end. But now the books are for actual satanic rituals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now the books are for Satanists. <laughs> yeah, yes. it's like... Uh, this isn't just a role-playing <laughs> game, it's a lifestyle, and it's satanic. <laughs> but but at, seriously, at the beginning of the old books, they used to say, if you're taking this game too seriously, calm the fuck down and go do something else. Now, they, the, now the game is reality, and reality is less than the game. <laughs> On a long enough timeline, every satanic panic will be proven correct. That, see this is this is where i'm like looking at these people that are like reading harry potter as like a as like a um what's it called like a religious text and i'm going yeah these these the satanic panic more like the satanic right or, or like the, yeah. the finders call it and you're like oh 
uh, crazy evangelical Christians, more like sane evangelical Christians. Everyone else was crazy, or like, or even just like the the D and D satanic panic. Oh yeah, this actually does like like drain your creativity and probably get you sent to hell. Yeah, my grandma was <laughs> right about trying to warn us about not reading shit like Harry Potter. Yeah, I yeah, I, I feel I feel yeah. completely justified in like um. I need to call her and apologize for that now. From when we were, from when I was like twelve, and and we were like, Grandma, it's just a book. When when those books were coming out. <laughs> no, but guys, don't you know Harry Potter is a great neo reactionary piece. <sighs> <laughs> yes, yes, it is. It's a, it, I yeah, actually, you, it is. I actually, it is. Two hundred page thesis on this by the end of the day, sir. You, you oh, don't worry, it's I will, not mine. No, I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you a two sentence thesis. Harry Potter is a right. world ruled by evil nerds. Um, and uh, just like the real world and the world neo-reactionaries want, it's also ruled oh. by evil nerds. Oosh. Oosh. All right. Uh, dude, All right. read Moldbug. Moldbug. What is Moldbug other than an evil nerd? Yeah, that's fair. That is that is fair. It's the banality of uh, nerddom turned evil. <laughs> yeah, you, you, like I don't actually understand what NRX's issue is with the current system. It's like, dude, giant multinational e corporations ruled okay, over all right, by all right, nerds all right, all right. already own our society. This is this is so far off field. Like we can't even pretend this is related anymore. <laughs> this is one of all our right. better episodes. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> the boys get political. Da, 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 da. The, I promise I won't get all too political. Two paragraphs of white wolf bullshit later. Well, see, the problem with liberalism is... Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. Oh, geez. All right. All right. What's, uh, what, what can we get out of this for a show title, by the way? I, 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 I'm going to say the L word? I don't know. Oh, God. <laughs> that would warn everybody. Uh, all right. We'll think about it. Um, I'm not a good show title guy, fellas. I'm sorry. I can't do that one on the spot. We'll, we'll, right. we'll, we'll say something stupid later, and it'll, it'll, be, a, it'll be a good title. Yeah. Uh, okay. So let's, let's get out of this, uh, this pause hole here and uh, you, step into the- Is this the, a pause uh, hole or a neck hole? Or do we even know? I, I, but right before we do that, that, that next section, I wanted to touch on that real quick about the, quote, right, sexual right. violence in games. I don't want to touch on that. I want to touch specifically on the, the some feeding scenes can resemble sexual assault. Okay, that is how vampires operate. That is how it's always operated. Yeah. That's how it's going to be described in the actual book when you're not looking at this retarded appendix, is that it's yeah. sexual assault. That is how it has always been described, and that is how it will always be described. The idea that is somehow you must ask for human consent, which they which they list within the next couple of paragraphs before you feed on them, is fucking absurd if you're playing a fucking Sabat character who are some of the most evil bastards out there. You're not going to ask for consent. You're just going to turn the part, like if you're a Zamishi, you're going to drain them, and then you're going to turn them into a pile of bones and skin to do whatever the fuck you want to with. That's not how these games work. It's, it doesn't make any sense. They even list encourage them to try the more ethical predator types. There are no more ethical predator types. What are you gonna do? Go to the go to the fucking blood oh. bank and steal all the blood, and now you know little Timmy can't get a transfusion and he dies. 
No, that's where you're wrong because it specifically mentions let your players invest in a willing herd. A, a willing herd. Okay, so uh, now you humans, have a humans are cattle. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. So, so let, let me let Slaves. me go into this a little Slaves bit. Slaves are too. more moral than rape. <laughs> no, 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 Mongus, Mongus, Mongus. It's the, a cult. This is not just you're forming your own cult in the game. No, this no, is a it's worse thing. than that. No, it's worse than that. You're forming a sex dungeon who are into blood. Yes, type. that's what you're doing. That's, and that's what they that's want what you to happens do. Happens in these games, but they're just that's trying they to want fucking you to change do. all the words. Wait, a dungeon yeah, dungeon full of yandere's? Okay. Uh, no, no, no. This is submissives. Uh, uh, oh, no, they, oh. they they want to be oh. sucked. Not, yeah. Also, a dungeon full of yandere's is like how you get a battle royale. Hmm. But it's it's just it's insanity. That's how you ensure no, you it's, get it's the perversion. best yandere. <laughs> Look, we're not doing the yandere bit. All right, I'm always. I, I throw you a bone. The, the idea of chronicle tenets that everyone must agree with before the game. Like the the main thing that you like, if you're playing a game, it's not hard to do, especially with something like this. What you do is you say, "All right, we're not going to rape each other, and if if you know, like, we're not going to do that type of shit, and we're going to try not to kill each other in the first five sessions." And, you, you know, like, you just, you, you try to lay out some, weak, like, ground rules for not being complete and utter pieces of shit to one another, and that's it. And when I say that, that's not, that's not even, like, weird gay BDSM shit. That's just, like, playing with other people like a normal person. It, it, but, but what they're suggesting is the, almost the exact opposite. They want you to, they want you to lay those out and then somehow follow, like, all of their weird fucking HR BDSM shit in this same paragraph at the same time, your your feeding targets are normally never going to be consenting. Herd is a trait, is a merit. <laughs> Third strike, you're out, Stug. Set your herd at like a fucking nightclub or something. That doesn't mean that every goes there is going to be consenting and willing. Did his audio just change for yes. you? Yes. His audio just got, like, really good. It just got but better. That's how this fucking system works. It doesn't work the way that they're trying to describe it in this appendix. <laughs> and that's why it's so fucking insane and retarded. I'm not I'm not editing any of this. I'm it's leaving so it all good. in there. <laughs> what, me just your being mad and fucking yelling? Yes, yes. No, your audio quality... Well, that too. But you're, you're, like, cutting in and out. Your audio quality changed for a split second. It became crystal clear. What the hell was that? It was, it was fueled by anger. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anger-fueled audio. There's our, uh, there's our title. <laughs> Anger-fueled... I like it. <laughs> when you're too angry for static. <laughs> Oh man! He powers oh, his Wi-Fi based on rage alone. <laughs> rage Fi. <laughs> <laughs> rage Fi connection. There you go. Oh, it's God. it's perfect because no. I I drank the I drank a giant cup of coffee, so now I've got all that energy too. So. Yeah, yeah. No, I know it's it's it is very clearly a BDSM HR thing. It's it's just a continuation of that mindset. It's it is the liberal mindset. It's all about having consent while you suck each other's bloods. Well, HR policy is BDSM. Yeah, see, this This is like what I, I, my, my to, point was. I actually was, wanted to mention like, this to argue with you guys. I, see, that was kind of my point, and John's time. like, John's like... All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. One at a time, mongoose go. I was like, we'll yeah, that's kind of what my point was. Was that like it doesn't matter? Like it's all framed from the same sort of set of priors. So yeah, in a sense, like BDSM and HR policy are kind of one and the same, if not like very close siblings. All right, Stug. They're the exact same thing. 
it's the it's the quote willing consent of the submissive person to the dominant person which gives them the power which is called a right to work state that's what that's how they're fucking framing all this bullshit and the modern you know like outside of rpgs and inside of rpgs is just the gay version of it are, are we okay, union well, my posting stance, now because i love unions my stance uh, my original stance which i said like two episodes ago has always been that this is originally bdsm community talk they were the ones who did this first, and HR uh, departments and HR policies have moved towards BDSM stuff. Who do you think is this into is BDSM? Not... Boring HR people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's fine, but it still originated from this weird s sexual perversion of natural sexual relations between a man and woman. And it started with that, and all, all of this, you know, sodomite-type stuff... And all of this weird, like, masochism and, and sadism and all that. And they developed this entire culture around how to relate to each other. And then they went to work and they altered the, the, the policies of how employees interact with each other. And they made it more like BDSM. Yeah. It, and, and they, they, you know, like I said, if, if you want to go with the allegory that I was going with, it's... You know, it's you know the submissive person is the one with the power because they have they are they are the employee who can choose to leave whenever they want to. It's it's literally pants on head retarded, and that's how they're going well, to frame it yeah. in the real world with the HR department also while using the exact same language the weird BDSM sex dungeon people use. It's well, sure, and the the submissive can at any time uh, cry it, out yeah. rape. It it doesn't make so any that, fucking sense. That gives sense. them all the power. It's a, it's a, it's an inversion. It's inversion magic. These people, this uh, tribe, loves to invert natural order always. But anyway, we're getting really off track. All right, let, let, let's let's jump to the rogue trader thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Let's let's get right, out of this. So, <laughs> so rogue trader. Rogue trader is a game. Rogue trader is a game that exists, and it's it can be fun. Thoughts. Rogue trader. Rogue trader is a role playing game set in the forty k universe and uh, both Stug and Mongoose have talked about it before and so uh, we thought while well, we had Stug we might as well uh, uh, <laughs> we might as well get into a deep discussion about liberalism no uh, we, <laughs> we thought we'd talk about a little bit a uh, little bit about Rogue Trader and, and the kind of game that it uh, it fosters and the mechanics foster I don't know too much about it I, I believe it's a D100 or is this the one with the it's, fantasy flight it's D10 D100 it's based off of the sort of skeleton that the original Dark Heresy uh, first edition sort of built, which is a, a fairly robust and enjoyable system that uh, uses a series of... So, so your stats are um, actually just uh, numbers 1 to 100, and then you have to roll below them, and your skills are percentage modifiers on top of those. So if I have like a plus 20 skill, uh, you know, then whenever I roll that, I get plus 20 to my stat so it increases my chances of rolling below it etc that that's the core mechanic of the system uh, it's not very it, complicated no it's it's not super complicated i mean damage is based off of d10s so then like your toughness stat uh the tens place on it subtracts damage and then you have degrees of success which are like every increment of 10 above or below you got of something like degrees of success and failure okay not super complicated it's a fairly fun system uh, it's all right. Um, Rogue Trader has a few more things in it. Like, um, every one of these does. Like, there's uh, there's Rogue Trader, which is like where you play Rogue Trader, 
and then you have like uh, Only War where you play the Imperial Guard, or uh, Death Watch where you play a, a buddy cop Space Marines, and Dark Heresy where you play like Inquisitorial Acolytes, and they all have kind of uh, is sort of different mechanics for leveling up your character and sort of different levels of experience. Uh, somewhat different sort of starter equipment and also like different rules that handle the sort of intricacies of being maybe a space marine or a, a traveling like peddler where a, where a rogue trader is like that that's what you're uh, that's what you're doing mm-hmm. the three of them almost form a tier also with dark heresy being like lower powered games rogue trader being mid and then the, the space marines obviously being the most you know like combat powerful i mean yeah, there's like four, there are like four power levels. There's like Dark Heresy, then Only War. The only reason Only War is more powerful than Dark Heresy is because um, Only War is a, uh, Only War straight up is, uh, you just start off with better equipment than in Dark Heresy. Your character's not intrinsically better. Then you have uh, Rogue Trader and uh, um, then uh, then Death Watch. Although Rogue Trader has ship-to-ship combat, so arguably you're technically more powerful it, it, it whatever it, it is what it is yeah this is yeah. so irrelevant yeah we're, we're getting we're getting off into the weeds yeah we're, we're getting into the mechanical issues or mechanical the point of the, the point was the one thing i'd wanted to ask was what sort of story does this foster like you know ryutama is definitely a game about traveling and about the the experiences as you go along a journey uh, Dungeons and Dragons is about delving into dungeons and, and slaughtering the monsters there and taking their gold. What sort of story does Rogue Trader inspire? Exploration, journey, um, explore, ex, uh, exploration, uh, journeying, uh, finding unseen worlds, uh, piracy, smuggling. All those. It's it's kind of a uh, it's it's somewhat similar to Ryutama, but different in that like you're you're basically just a high trial uh high-powered traveler and peddler all over the uh all over the universe hmm. okay it's extremely sandbox which is probably my favorite and simultaneously which which probably my favorite aspect and one of the things that makes it more difficult if you don't have the the right group for it if they're just all gonna sit around and stare at you because you didn't give them enough to motivate them or whatever because because that's what that's what your players are going to do if if you don't if they're if they're not familiar or comfortable with doing that type of thing open world games i don't think really work well you kind of have to uh tug players along a little bit and and i think there's sort of this idea where oh it'll be completely player guided that's almost never the case you have to have something engaging there the game's gonna stink right so with rogue trader uh the the very baseline thing is profit motive so if basically your players have to understand that they are profit motivated and then from there you can sort of elaborate you can you can involve them in schemes and and just sort of have them do some jobs and then those jobs sort of turn into more and more things uh over time but you can't really just you know rely on the players to be the impetus for things happening because that's just never going to work all right so to play jackal's advocate here and take a page out of jack's book because he's not here to do so Money is just a MacGuffin. So what what about like the profit motive is inherently motivating to players or should you have something along the lines of like obligations and upkeep 
or, you know, something along those lines that pushes them into respecting the profit motive. Well, Rogue Trader mechanically reinforces this. You have to pay your crew, you have to buy stuff for your ship, you have to buy things like slaves to run your ship, I think. You have to pay for ammunition, you have to pay for things. So you have expenses. Um, and, and it's... Okay. It's interesting in that, like, you're not actually dealing with an exact amount of currency. You're, you're actually, more often than not, you have a, um, it's just abstracted as, like, high value, mid value, low value, and this, that, or the other, and then you have goods you're moving. This is a, the, the sort of meat and potatoes of a rogue trader game is actually just trading things. Go figure. Uh, nice. And then, you yeah. know, you sort of uh, branch off from there, like, oh, you traded this, but now somebody's unhappy for some political reason, or, oh, no, you traded this, and you ran into space orcs, now you gotta fight them, or, uh-oh, the, the aliens don't like you, or, uh-oh, there's a chaos demon that warped onto the ship, you gotta deal with that, you know. It lends <laughs> itself to kind of a, um, you could you could either have a very sprawling, very politically, and very uh, very story-involved game, or you could you could have an almost sort of monster or scenario of the week kind of game that can be a little bit more lighthearted for 40k. So it's a very versatile game, but you just have to you know run it in the right way, I suppose. All right, I have to admit you've uh, kind of sold me on that uh, in that uh, description. I'm I'm interested. The uh, the thing that I always would because I've always found it really interesting and always kind of wanted to run it, but um. You know, with especially with something like 40k, with uh, or or you know, thing you know, games in the 40k setting, I guess outside of like Space Marines, your characters should really have their own motivations once you get to a certain point. And rogue traders are mm -hmm. at the point where they should be having their own motivations. Like some of the career paths, like uh, for instance, the the missionary, your character should be wanting to spend some of that money, um, you know, expanding the imperial you know faith and everything like that. But if, if the, if the care, you know, like the biggest problem that I would personally, that, that, or the thing that makes me would the most concerned with trying to run it would be, you know, like giving them those first few nudges to get them kind of going and then just watching them sit and try to do nothing because I, you know, like I've given them enough to work with and I've given them plot hooks and then they just want to sit there and not want to actually try to engage with any of them or they don't know or they, and I've, I've run into that with other games, but it, I don't know. I don't know. I'm. I'm. That's my only uh, reservation, really. But that's more to do with, you know, player quality rather than the game itself. Re realistically, yeah. Yeah. Well, I wanted to talk about uh, techniques that both the game master and the players, potentially at the game master's guidance, can employ to help solve that issue that you're worried about or that you've experienced in the past. Because I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, you, you know, you give them a, a plot hook, they finish plot hook, and they sit there staring at you like baby birds with their mouths open waiting for the next plot hook. I, I, have, I have a few finish ideas. Finish plot hook, get excited for next plot hook. Yeah. Exactly. I have a couple ideas on this. So for one, uh, when you have a rotator crew, like... You, you only one of you is the quote-unquote uh, eponymous rogue trader. The rest of you are just sort of his uh, his buddies, compatriots, and for for lack of a better word, his like travel buddies, people that like help him do his stuff. Ret retinue, uh, sort of, but but not really. There's there's like a, a bit more camaraderie to it, where the rogue trader is the guy that owns mm. the ship and navigates and stuff. But then you got like the missionary, and he's got ends with the church, and he like spreads the word of uh, the emperor. And then you've got, like, a, I think there's a guy that does combat, and there's someone that does more, like, infiltration, like, sneaky stuff, you know. 
And and one of the things you can do is it really depends. Like so, your rogue trader either should be a completely like kind of clueless, very bland person who can be sort of dragged around, like like by the um by a more colorful retinue, or you'd want them to be sort of a very frontline leader person who's going to drag the retinue with them. Right. Yeah. That's what I was wondering. Is the rogue trader is considered the captain or the they leader are they of the are group? the captain of the ship? Yes. Okay. Well then. A large part of that then would boil down to picking somebody that you know is going to be more motivated and and interested and involved and make not only choosing them to play the captain or encouraging them to step up and play captain, but then also working with them as the campaign is ongoing and talking to them about what's going on, giving them little like hooks and extra like bits of information or telling them what their character would know to then inspire that that person who's already a motivated type to make those decisions in game. Right. And, but the, one of the other things is Warhammer 40 K as a setting is actually very useful in that you can just have things happen to them over time and sort of force them to be involved in something, whether they like it or not. We're trying to, well, we're trying to give general advice as well. Well, General advice, but like stuff that can apply to open worlds in general too. Yeah. But if, I mean, if we're talking, well, this kind of speaks to the advantages of 40 K as a setting. So if you're listening to this and you're, hearing this build a setting that can allow you to do things similar to this so for example if you're if they're just kind of sitting around not doing anything oh no orcs have invaded the sector you have to leave or you have to join the fight or something right or that you can there there are ways you can sort of involve them in a greater thing and sort of drag them by the nose whether they want it or not uh i mean but my concern would be if they're just sitting around doing nothing and you're like Oh no, orcs warp in. It's going to be like, really? After the last three s- systems, they did it again? Well, you, you you have to change it up, right? Um, yeah, but it, it, at some point it just starts to feel contrived and you're not really addressing the core issue, of a lo- which is a lack of player motivation. I mean, at some point, if players just aren't motivated, you just have bad players and there's not much you can do about it. And, and well, okay, so- sometimes but they'll this feel whole motivated, segment... but they won't do anything because they're trying to wait for everybody else. And that's normally a, a newer player thing. And if you see that, like, yeah, if, yeah. if you see that happening, you try to push them to do it and, and let the, yeah. the if, if you have any of those, uh, like uh, the the more, and I don't I don't even like using this term for this, but you have the more like elitist older players, and they try to be weird and shitty because I've actually seen that happen before. You 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 tell them to cool it the fuck off because they're just sitting there doing nothing also. Cause, well, because I've seen that okay, happen once my, or twice, and it's just weird. But my my point is though that this whole the segment is about tools to help game masters help their players develop motivations in the first place. You should like the the oh no orc invasion should not be the first tool. That's like the absolute lat like way to unstick your players if everything else has failed. Let's talk about some of the other ideas as far as helping those players uh, get more invested in and have a sense of agency in the system. Which I would say the first thing that you ought to start with is working with each of them to ensure that they come up with an interesting backstory that has plot hooks built into it. It has like a pre-existing foundation from which they can then explore the universe. And, you know, to do this, you have to have a pretty fleshed out setting uh, enough that they can basically like, you know, seed their characters into this setting in a way that can then come up later and be relevant and make sense and be in character. 
You can't just have like completely detached. You know, it's like you were talking you about. Can't you can't have the, the detached murder hobos for everything. Right. right. Bingo. Yes. Avoid murder which hobos. The se- which the setting doesn't support, but people will almost universally, from my experience, try to play a lot of times because they don't want to have the investment to come back and bite them in the butt because they people are so used to the uh, the unfortunate aspect where the DM or the GM will see that they have something from the past and they'll just try to take it away instead of having it, you know, be part of the, you know, the setting. And it might get taken away eventually, but they'll just try to do it at the beginning. I've also seen that happen. So you have to try to right. break that mentality, which is the which is the prime mm-hmm. issue from my experience. Right. The game master needs to work with the players and tell them up front your character needs to be a part of this world. I'm not going to use that against you as a weapon to try and bludgeon emotional responses out of you. I'm going to use this to help develop this world into an interconnected and interesting world that your character is a part of and interacts with. So let's work together to come up with a backstory that is relevant, that is interesting. And in doing, and when you phrase it like that, you can help to kind of snap their minds out of that. I don't want to have a sister because that just means that... Uh, that my sister's going to get kidnapped in play and I'm going to have to go show up and then my sister's going to get shot and I'm expected to be sad, but I don't really care about the sister because I just made it up on the spot anyway. Right. The, uh, there's, there was a, some, somebody, this was years ago. I don't remember where I saw it, but somebody had made a, uh, a, they would, they called it like a supplementary character sheet and it doesn't actually do anything. It doesn't provide anything to your character what it does is it's just that basically it says, you know, like fears, you know, uh, not, not, uh, not likes, but, you know, passions and then ambitions, motivations, et cetera, et cetera. And you're forcing your character to just your, your player to just write those down. They don't, you know, for a shorter game or, you know, more on the fly for character generation, it may not be necessary for them to write, you know, paragraphs or whatever for the character. This allows them to have a skeleton to play with and for the GM to play with. Um, I just don't remember where I saw that, but it was, it was, you know, like ranked for some of them. So like your motivation, you, you would put in your own motivation and then you would rank it from like one to five. You know what I mean? So, you know, if your motive, if your motivation is to make a million dollars, you could have your character be highly motivated to do that. So that's their primary driving goal. You could have it be something that they just kind of want to do over time. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, for, 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 for players that would, you know, struggle more with that, that's the, that would be an option, I would assume. But uh, it would also require them to hold to it, which is, that, that's, that's another issue. I would say that the best option is to talk to them about it. Don't make them write, because you're right, that not everyone's going to want to write. I love writing. I've had a player write up a background in my game, but not everyone wants to do that. So talk to them about it. Get them to work these things up and work it through out loud and, and in their heads and with you in a in voice, you know, in person or in a voice chat or whatever, and then have them fill out that form based on what they come up with. Exactly. Because then not only it, it has context because they've thought about how those passions relate to their backstory, but they don't have to write down a massive paragraph. They're just writing down a list and they still know what that list means in context because of the conversation. Yeah, and there's there's also an element of this that you do have to some of these things do come with experience. Uh, okay, but we're trying to give game masters the tools to help their players get to that level of experience. Yeah. But uh, another thing that uh, that occurred to me, uh, which I mentioned briefly before the show, Stug, was the idea of starting in medias res, or media res, or whatever the term is. Start in the middle of something. Start off with them already having a goal 
something that you know they they can kind of get into and get to learn their 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 characters a little bit get used to playing them in character and playing off of each other and kind of understand who the group is but they don't have to worry about immediately hitting the ground running to not only figure out who their new characters are but also what their motivations would be in finding their way around a new world so kind of start them off in the middle of something and as they go through that something give them enough view of the surrounding world to get an understanding of the world that they're in, the current events that are going on, the factions that are around them, the major players in those factions, the the you know the worries and concerns. Give them a wide enough scale of experiences, and then tell them, all right. So you know you've you've heard all these old rumors or whispers or seen these opportunities or you know you got in the market news. All right, now you guys have finished up this first job. You've got some extra extra money. Now where do you go? And that gives them a little bit more of a jumping off point than just like. All right, you're on the planet. What are you gonna do? Which is which is what I was thinking actually. Um, so I, I guess I'll because uh, I, I I didn't really start planning planning, but I just kind of wrote like a, a very short just bullet point outline for what I would want to do for for a rogue trader game. And session zero is basically a, all the characters. I think get you mean together. for a made game, right? Say so what? I think you mean for a made game, right? Uh, did we find out if uh, Mark Ryan Hagen was Jewish yet? <laughs> Uh, no, uh, no, no conclusive evidence yet. Mm. Well, but I've heard that, I've heard that it's completely compatible though. What, ma- made RPG and, uh, there's, there's and, and like a, a meme where somebody ported it, but they're no more portable than any other RPG systems. There's like a, some way you can do it because somebody decided to, but it's, they're no more or less compatible than any other two things. It's. Made RPG in 40K. Made RPG is uh, compatible with everything because (laughs) it's literally just an RPG with like a resolution mechanic tacked onto an entire book of random character generation tables. And (laughs) random character generation tables are the two things... Are the greatest thing to ever exist. Yes, they are. Um, They're the two things that like Dark Heresy (laughs) and Made RPG have in common. And... (laughs) Yeah, I mean... That in, like, a, a grim, dark setting? <laughs> well, All yeah, right. I mean, really, if you're like, I need help making a character, just pull out Maid and roll yourself up a Maid. Like, <laughs> boom, you have an anime-made character for any system. Doesn't matter. See, I made my Maid character without any charts. Well, one, one of the other things you can do is you can just, like, go to the Monster Girl Encyclopedia and um and you can you can hit <laughs> random page the, the wiki and you can hit random page until you find one you like and then roll the rest of your traits randomly on the made charts boom easy well for what game anyone what game? any game <laughs> doesn't <Okay>. matter <laughs> if you're All playing right, so a strong. game that would not allow you to do this in character creation you're probably playing the wrong game let's be real (laughs) (laughs) all right stug we're gonna play monster girls in rogue trader yeah that uh, i mean implying like that i mean if i was so everybody just plays croot no no we're we're just gonna have warhammer 40k but with monster girls i don't care (laughs) i mean if if we're gonna if we're gonna do like if we're gonna do women inclusion in 40k from like the actual writers there's no reason why i can't just make 40k about monster girls like both are equally actually one's more that valid is objectively than the other. better yeah monster yeah, girls that is are objectively more valid better than, actually than yeah. uh other stuff <laughs> stug's just like i i disavow <laughs> i don't know anything about this topic 
You played in my game. My game was all about monster yeah, girls. Yeah, but I'm not a yeah, but what a, yeah, but I played like like the the wolfen dude who was just like a normal guy. And then you were like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you need to find a different picture because that's too normal. Yeah, I told them all, like, can you guys find like pictures to represent your characters? Everyone And I just come back with like a Bavarian dude. <laughs> Everyone, everyone provided an anime picture and Stug <laughs> provides a real life World War One soldier. <laughs> and I'm like I'm like, Stug, I appreciate the effort, but can you find one that matches? He just types in like generic anime dude and finds the first picture. <laughs> oh, what a lad. What an absolute lad. I was like, I was like, you know what? You tried. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> uh, I played it. Hey, uh, hey, that's so my, good. My was very flushed out. All right. He was. It was very. I. I know. I'm giving you a hard time. You did. A I know, job. man. That was. That was fun. Uh, yeah. yeah just, <laughs> it'd be like. It'd be like if we were playing a World War II anime game, and I just. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna play a fighter pilot, and I just send you a uh, send you an image like of my great great uncle, like. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I basically did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, all right, I'm just gonna play this, uh, like this engineer. And, so I actually, uh, actually looked up, looked him up recently again. Turns out there's a memorial page for every pilot in uh, JG52 in Germany, or based out of Germany. The issue is that all of the names are in Comic Sans. Oh what? Oh, yes, yes. So every Why? every single ace pilot in the most successful fighter wing of all time is memorialized on this German memorial site <laughs> with their name in Comic Sans. <laughs> you realize I have to play the Undertale like Megalovania music during this. Yes, play, right? yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guess what, Ivan? You and your yak are about about to have a bad time. <laughs> On days like this, communists like you should be burning in hell. I'm sure I can find like a kazoo remix of Megalovania. There's a make mix of Megalovania for everything. <laughs> I know there is. Oh, Are there's we a talking about the Black Sabbath song Megalomania? No. No, the Zack Sabbath. <laughs> the Zack Sabbath. Time it back in. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we are officially into shitposting territory. Yeah, uh, we might want to <laughs> sign off soon. Was there anything you guys wanted to say about uh, 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 Rogue Trader before we uh, call it there? I don't know. Play it if you want. <laughs> okay. It's an alright game. I, I, I might be looking at running a game. I'll let you guys know. Okay, yeah. I hope we get, uh, gave you guys some ideas on how to help inspire character motivations, work with them to come up with a background and uh, help them in incorporate it into the world. And also uh, have the uh, have your first few sessions be that tutorial run. I mean, you can look at how video games do this. They introduce the world and a lot of aspects about it as they go through those first couple of times. Do, do a bit of that and, and kind of give them a feel for it before you you set them free and don't be afraid to kind of step in and help them make that first selection uh you know if it seems like they're floundering but also be upfront with them and tell them i want you guys to run this especially whoever's playing the captain i want you to determine where you go next what you're doing and and it kind of helped them to develop that independence mm -hmm. i will take your silence as approval yes it is we'll yes. see you right. guys when we see you Probably in five months or something. I don't know. <laughs> okay, you got to do an actual proper sign-off. Goodbye. <laughs>
<laughs> no. Oh my god. All right, all right. All right. This has been Little Wars. You know, Stug. Do you have anything you need to uh, you need to plug before we leave? Uh, listen to the Godcast, and uh, you can read uh, you can read some of my uh, writings and ramblings over at uh, at identitydixie.com. Both of which are uh, excellent uh, things. The Godcast can most commonly be found on therightstuff.biz, and Identity Dixie is its own thing, which is also a highly worthwhile website that you should definitely consider taking a look at. John, do you have anything you need to plug? Yeah, if you're interested in uh, in Japanese picture slideshows, then uh, check out uh, Moon Rune Cartoons, brand new anime analysis and shitposting podcast. Uh, that's uh, that's on Right Wing Entertainment Squads. We've started doing that. We're only a couple sessions in, uh, or sessions, <laughs> episodes in. But, uh, you know, sometimes I try to tie it into uh, traditional gaming or role-playing stuff because a lot of... A lot of anime has that feel of that, that fantasy world. And our next episode, we're actually doing uh, isekais, which is very relevant to uh, role-playing games. So check that out if you're interested. Yep. And as always, you can find us, if you're not listening to us on it, on littlewars.home.blog. You can also find us on pod- reputable and disreputable podcast hosting sites all over the place. Um, <laughs> two of the more reputable ones you can find us on are uh, at the Exodus America's Honest website and uh, Right Wing Entertainment <laughs> Squads. So, uh, are you having a stroke, buddy? Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Exodus Americanus. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> okay. Anyway, yeah, faux Latin is not my strong suit. Why do you think I don't play 40k games anymore? Mm, true. Oof. True. Anyway, mm. we'll uh, we'll be talking to you guys uh, later. So, yeah. Uh, see ya. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See ya. Yeah. Why are you doing this to me? I just don't know. Say, I don't know. Just say goodbye normally. Just talk like a normal person. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't oh, know. God. Like I'm, I'm like I'm drawing a complete blank, dude. Thank you all for tuning in. Hope you have a great week, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Stay safe and God bless. <laughs> Is that so hard? Yes. <laughs> Right, You're keeping it. this in, right? Yeah, of course I am. It's so good. It's so bad. You know, me, me trying to sign the show off for you. Uh, just anyone but Mongoose. Uh, <laughs> all right, so this right. is Little War. Stay safe and God bless. All right. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of Little Wars. For more traditional gaming autism, head over to littlewars.home.blog. That's littlewars, all together, no spaces, .home.blog. Have a great week, and many epic gamer moments. That first evil-